of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let us all say amen, amen, amen and amen. Now, I know that Sister Davis and Judge Barron and many others like history. So this uh, lesson is going to be a little bit of a history lesson. First, we're going to do some contemporary history. Regarded as the legislative crown jewel of the Civil Rights Movement, the Voting Rights Act was enacted as a comprehensive tool, meaning to undo the political hold of Jim Crow policies in the South and related discriminatory structures that were located nationwide. Congress adopted this law to ensure that the states followed the 15th Amendment. The 15th Amendment guarantees the right to vote, and it guarantees that that right to vote cannot be denied because of race. The law, I'm talking about the Civil Rights Act, I'm talking about the Voting Rights Act, I should say, of 1964, fundamentally opened political opportunities for blacks and brown communities to participate in all aspects of the political system on an equal basis. Section 5 of the law requires jurisdictions with a history of discrimination to attain approval from the Justice Department or court before changing voting rules, a process that was known as preclearance. Section 2 of the law allows people to sue either on their own or with the assistance of the Justice Department to undo existing laws and procedures that will deny equal protection and opportunity for voters to elect candidates of their choice. However, these protections have been eroded by recent Supreme Court decisions. The Voting Rights Act has been a constant target of conservatives on the Supreme Court since its enactment. While the law has been reviewed and renewed multiple times by the Congress, the court decisions in recent years have often worked to limit its application. We have two cases that are of great concern. In 2013, the case called Shelby versus Holder effectively eliminated the use of preclearance. Following the decision, states no longer had to get the federal government's approval for new voting rules. And that unleashed a wave of policies, including Georgia's Election Integrity Act, that made it harder to vote. The Brennan Center for Justice has shown that the racial gap in voter turnout has grown in jurisdictions that were previously covered by Section 5. In the absence of preclearance, the civil rights groups have needed to rely more on litigation. That's section two. However, recently the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that only the federal government, not private citizens, not civil rights groups, are allowed to sue under section two. Now, this decision will be almost certainly appealed and is headed to guess where? The Supreme Court. And should it stand, I mean the decision to eliminate Section 2, 
it would mark a dramatic rollback of the enforcement of the 1965 civil rights law. Meanwhile, here in the state of Georgia, Republicans who control the legislature on Thursday finalized a new congressional map that safeguards their party's dominance in state politics and dashes for the time being the hopes of adding an additional black majority house seat. The new Georgia congressional map complies on the face with federal judge Steve Jones' order to establish additional black minority district, but preserves its Republican U.S. House delegation. And the map targets Atlanta area representative Lucy McBath, putting her district more in Republican territory. So that's a little bit of the history lesson. But here's something that we all know. To be black in America means that discrimination is part of our everyday lives. The text that we're studying today from Luke and Matthew about the star that shined the light to the baby Jesus has a history of being cloaked in discrimination and in white supremacy. This cloak has attempted to hide the liberation that the birth of Jesus represents to all people, especially those who are now, let's unpack these verses. A closer look at these verses, along with the song that was just sung, Rise Up, Shepherd, and Follow, will show that Jesus Christ has come to liberate God's people as part of his saving grace. Now, again, let's unpack these verses. In Luke chapter 2, we encounter the shepherds keeping watch over their flock. The image of a shepherd has been prominent in the Bible. We see shepherds all over the place. Abel, the son of Adam and Eve, was described in Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, as a keeper of sheep. Woe to the shepherds, the faith leaders of Israel, who feed themselves without feeding their flock. It's the warning given in Ezekiel chapter 34. John 10 and 11 describes Jesus as the good shepherd. And we all know the 23rd Psalm that says, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. The image of a shepherd is all over the Bible. Yeah. And while the shepherd is held in high esteem by God in the world, particularly at the time of Jesus' birth, Shepherds were viewed a little bit differently. Being a shepherd is a dirty, isolated, and low-paying job. Wow. Often, they didn't even own the sheep. that They gave so much of their lives for and to. So, the shepherd, the person most responsible for the sheep, they gained the least economically from the sheep from the sharing of its wool, to the sale of their meat, to the actual sale of the shepherd of the sheep from the flock. 
the shepherd was always at the low end of the totem pole. Now, the African-American slave and the shepherd have much in common. Both are accustomed to back-breaking work. Both are accustomed to being separated from their families. Both are exploited, looked down, and discriminated. Christmas, the season that we're celebrating now, Advent, was a special time for those in slavery. The season was not only a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, it was also a time to celebrate themselves, receiving sometimes small gifts or new clothing. It was a time of celebration that encouraged stories of the birth of Jesus. Now, in the account of Luke, the lowly shepherds are the honored ones. They get the wonderful news from the angel of the Lord. Look at it. Look at it. Starting in verse 10. The angel said, do not be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in monthly and swallowing clothing, laying in a manger. And suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angels, praising God. They said, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those who he favors. The lowly shepherd are the favored ones of God. And if the shepherd is favored by God, so are African-American forefathers and foremothers who are enslaved. They are favored by God as well. So after hearing the word of God, what do the shepherds do? Look at verse 15. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds says to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what has happened. Let's confirm what the Lord's revealed. And so what did they do? They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph lying in the manger. In confirming what the Lord has revealed to us, the shepherds were liberated from the backbreaking work of being a shepherd. In other words, look, they booked, they left. And what did they leave? They left their flocks. The shepherds rose up and followed. The message from Luke were dangerous words. They were dangerous words for the slaves. They can see their story in the story of the shepherds. And despite their lowly status, they were favored. Despite their lowly status, they were giving the good news first. Despite their lowly status, liberation was possible. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. Now, this is where the racism and discrimination of the white supremacy comes in. Slave owners made it against the law for slaves to read. And they also prohibited slaves from hearing this account. 
Well, you see, many plantation owners thought if slaves experienced spiritual liberation, they would want physical liberation as well. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. From colonial times, laws were put in place to make sure that both the enslaved and the slave owners understood that that was not to be so. Just because you experience spiritual liberation, you can't have bodily liberation. In 1664, Maryland was the first colony to pass a law stating that baptism had no effect on the social status of slaves. This put an end to judicial decisions that had freed slaves after baptism. North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, South Carolina, and Virginia quickly followed this example. By 1671, the Maryland law was expanded to include blacks who had been converted before enslavement. Slave owners feared losing their investment. Plantation owners thought if slaves experience again physical, spiritual liberation, they would want physical liberation as well. They were fearful of rise up shepherd and fall. They were fearful of the liberation, liberating power of Jesus who came to liberate and save the world. Now, instead of the Luke account that we see in Luke chapter 2, for the most part, they were told the account from Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. In these, three, in these verses, three wise men and rich men from the east, astronomers, scientists of their day, saw a star in the west. From their understanding of the scripture, they knew it was about the birth of Jesus, the king of the Jews. They went west to Jerusalem, and they went to see King Herod, who was also fearful about Jesus. He understood the liberating power of the Savior, so he told the wise men to let him know if they found Jesus so he could worship him. Yeah, right. The wise men found Jesus just like the shepherds did. And they were amazed, just like the shepherds were. And they showered the baby with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. For the slave owners, the mission was accomplished with the telling of this scripture. Well, we think it was. But here's the okie doke. God's liberating words, even in these verses, reign true. Because despite being taken from their home to America, many slaves, through tradition, regained the knowledge of where they came from. And so in telling this story, they understood the geography. And they understood that the star was in the east, it meant the travelers came from the West, and the West is Egypt and Ethiopia. And in those countries, folks look like what? Us. Rise up, shepherds, and follow. So if you're from Egypt or Ethiopia, yeah, you're a person of color. 
You're a person of color who's priestly. You're a person of color who's rich. You're a person of color who's favored by God so much so that God told them to defy a king and go another way. So the slaves got that message too. Because they come from a priestly line. They are rich in favor. Rise up shepherd. And the lyrics to rise up shepherd and follow would have been ample proof for the concern of the slave owners about the liberating power of God's word. And singing this song, the slaves were admonished one another over and over and over and over again to do what? Rise up! Shepherd and follow. Let's hear the song. There's a star in the east on Christmas morn Rise up, shepherd, and follow It will lead to the place where the babe is born Rise up, shepherd, and follow Leave your flocks and leave your lamb Rise up, shepherd, and follow Leave your sheep and leave your ram Rise up, shepherd, and follow Follow Follow, rise up, shepherd, and follow. Follow the star of Bethlehem. Rise up, shepherd, and follow. If you take good heed of the angel's word, rise up, shepherd, and follow. You'll forget your flocks, you'll forget your herds. Rise up, shepherd, and And leave your land Rise up shepherd and follow Leave your sheep and leave your rams Rise up shepherd and follow Shepherd and follow Leave 
unconstitutional. In addition, he argued that Section 4 was unconstitutional as well. He wrote this. He said that blatant discrimination against certain voters that Section 5 was intended to prohibit is no longer evident. <laughs> blatant discrimination is no longer evident. Well, when the state legislature in Georgia passes a law to get rid of ballot drop boxes in minority communities, but increases them in white areas, how can you say that blatant discrimination is no longer evident? When you pass a law to make it illegal to allow cash-strapped election boards to receive grants so that polling places, especially in minority communities, can have proper stamping, and voting machines that work, how can you say that blatant discrimination is no longer evident? When an Atlanta area district is constantly moved further and further into Republican territory, how can you say that blatant discrimination is no longer evident? The call is clear. This time next year, we know who the president's going to be. We also know who our representatives in Congress will be in the State House, City Hall, and a host of other places. It is time, shepherds of Greater Bethel, to rise up and follow. It is time for us to rise up and follow the light to get people to register and to vote. It is time for us, shepherds of Greater Bethel, to rise up and follow the light and ensure that people know about the issues and what is truly at stake in the election that will happen less than a year from now. Wow. 
It is time for us to rise up and follow, as Dr. King said, the true meaning of our creed. But shepherds, all of this rising up is nothing, means nothing, unless we follow Jesus. It is Jesus who loved us. It is Jesus who saved us. It is Jesus who liberates us from battles that we fought before and yes, the battles that are ahead. So the question is today, do you know Jesus? Have you heard the angels from high sweetly singing over the plain? If you have it and you want to, pray with me please. Heavenly Father, we come once again in a moment in which you are calling us to rise up. And Lord, in order for us to rise up to the full extent that you want us and need us to rise up, we can only do that by being connected to you. Because it is not us rising, it is you rising through us and in us. So Lord, I come today as a sinner asking your heavenly grace and love over me. Save me. Liberate me so that I can be the instrument of your peace. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Let us all say amen. Amen. Have you prayed that prayer? You are not saved. But like I said, every week your salvation is only as good as the place if you decide to practice it. And Greater Bethel is a great place to practice your salvation. In a few moments, I'm going to come down and hold out my hand. And I hope that what will happen is that you will give me your hand, but you will give God your heart. Now, once again, if you're watching this online or listening to it on a podcast or something like that, you can call me, text me. A lot of people have done that. Someone did it on Thanksgiving Day. We had a marvelous back-and-forth conversation about salvation. You can do that. Just give me a call. My number is 608-358-1309. 608-358-1309. And let us come and have a conversation about you. Glory to God in heaven and peace on earth and goodwill for all he favors. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love and fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you, rule with you, liberate you, henceforth, now, and forevermore. Let us all say,
2023 has been quite a year. War, natural disasters, disease, and death have been 365-day companions. However, through it all, God is good, God is great, and God has been wonderful to us. Psalm 65 is a hymn of praise to God who has redeemed his people and sustained their life on earth. Verse 11 says that God crowned the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. As we come to the end of the year, I'm asking you to consider honoring God by making a special year-end financial gift to Greater Bethel. Your gift will enable us to spread the love of Jesus as we feed the hungry, provide shelter to the homeless, and the word of the Lord to people everywhere. Make your contribution with Cash App by using dollar sign Bethel 140 or with Giveify by entering Greater Bethel Athens or email your contribution to Post Office Box 49773, Athens, Georgia 30604. Thank you and blessings.